just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my, uh, my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared. It's always doubt with us every year. It's like, oh, well, the Saints can't do this because something or, you know, Drew's gone and it. I, I don't, I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't care. And I'm coming in every year to think that we're going to be the shit. What up? Welcome back to Black and Gold BS, the irreverent Saints podcast from Boot Crew Media. Sponsorless, as always. Alongside my trusty co-host, Sean Haspel. I'm Jacob Krasno. And uh, we are coming to you just several days after the Saints uh, crawled back from the brink of oblivion, beating the Falcons 21-18, to depending on which Twitter source you frequent. We're either leading the all-time series against the Falcons by a game, or we're tied. Um, I choose to believe that we're winning the all-time series. So those are the, the facts that yeah. I... Yeah, I think... It- so I think it, it it depends on whether you count it, you're, you're doing all-time or just regular season because we're 0-1 against them in the playoffs. So right. Well, the, I, think I, I, I don't count the playoffs because those stats like don't exist in, in the NFL stat book anyway. So like why should right. – you know, this, the playoffs are their own thing. They're separate from the regular season. Um, and uh, we all just like to pretend that playoff game – that we lost against the Falcons doesn't didn't exist, never happened. In the words of Jonathan Frakes from that Amazon or you know that that old myth busting show from the nineties, it's fake, it's fiction, never happened. A writer made it up. It's false. Well, in that universe, the Saints are indeed now leading the all-time series with the Falcons, and uh, after sweeping them this season. Uh, Dennis Allen's only notable accomplishment as a head coach. Um, so yeah, that's fun. Um, it's kind of like the bad old days where the Saints were shitty and uh, and the Falcons generally were too at the same time. And both fan bases lived or died on whether they beat there are tribals or not. So um, glad we can yeah. say that we busted out the brooms this year on on the dirty birds. Yeah. And as down as I've been on the team all year, I really wanted us to win that game Sunday. Oh yeah. Even though they, they, they keep teasing us like good things are going to happen and maybe we'll, we'll come back from death's door and win the division. You know, I feel like we're being set up for like more disappointment, but like, I'm glad we won. I don't think I could have suffered through, uh, the shame of losing to the Falcons and uh, having that be the loss that finally knocks us out of playoff contention. Right. Yeah. We raised our chance at winning the division, AKA making the playoffs from 1% to 2%. I think actually it might be 4% in some estimates, but regardless, uh, I mean, Obviously, we don't control our own destiny at this point. The shitty thing, though, is that all we had to do was not collapse against the Bucks before the bye week. And given that the Bucks have gone on to shit the bed the last two weeks, we would more or less control our own destiny for the division in the playoffs. And, I mean, like we lamented after that collapse, like... um I mean, that game and that whole scenario, the fallout from it really was microcosm of the, the whole season that there was so much potential and it was just squandered by shitty coaching and shitty luck, injuries, and just throwing up with a pinch of bad officiating and you get this awful gumbo of sadness that is the 2022 saints so yeah even in victory on sunday the team was like once again uh displaying a microcosm of everything that's gone wrong in 2022 we came out hot 
there were like a few explosive plays in the beginning, the long touchdown mm-hmm. to Rashid Shahid. Um, Andy Dalton looked pretty good. It looked like we were going to run away with it. And then everything just ground to a halt and nothing happened for the rest of the game. Uh, and we tried to blow it. We let the Falcons run for over 250 yards and they came back and they were, you know, they were one good drive away from, from winning it in, in the waning minutes of the fourth quarter. We really tried to give it away. Um, and probably if, if Marcus Mariota was still the Falcons quarterback, they probably would have won that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, we, we were treated to Desmond Ritter's first start in the NFL, and uh, he looked like a rookie that had never played before. Um, yeah. And that is largely why we won, I think. Um, it's just all the emotions we felt all year, once again, encapsulated in one game elation and then boredom frustration and uh conflicted feelings at the end it we won but it didn't really feel like a victory right um i uh, every week we ask the question is dennis allen fired and i i would I think I've reached the point where I would let him play out the string if Jacob Krasno is the GM, but uh, I'd, I'd still fire him. Even if we won the division, I would still fire him. Um, unless, unless winning the division entails us becoming the 2011 or 20 or 2009 Saints once again and, and going on some mm-hmm. crazy playoff run, I think. <laughs> he's, he's still a lame duck. The, the, the oh, problems yeah. that have plagued us all year persist and yeah it's just (laughs) i feel like we are being set up for this team to still be in it in week 18 and uh we'll be disappointed we'll be we'll be served a giant turd on a plate yeah uh unfortunately i mean it, it probably won't well well maybe not unfortunately but um I don't think we'll we'll get that far because we'll need the Bucks to lose to the Cardinals, and I think that's on Christmas Eve this weekend. And uh, I believe um, we play. I, I think we play on Christmas Eve, and they're on Christmas night. Christmas day. Oh, night. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You're okay. You're right there. But and now that the Cardinals are down there, third string quarterback. I don't. I don't think it's going to be much of a game, unfortunately. But. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, it's just that Falcons game as sweet as it was to win. I mean, yeah, like you said, it was just another microcosm of the way the team's been all year. Um, offense had a few moments of brilliance, followed up by um, uh, like a boneheaded turnover at a time when they could have probably put the game away um, or at least put the score like pretty heavily out of reach um, comfortably. And the defense, like, was just shaky all game. They started out strong, um, but they just got mauled on the ground um, by Tyler Algier. I, like, I I don't know. Look, all I need to know about Tyler Algier is that he went to BYU. Yeah. That's all you need to know. He's a loser, and he's lame. and uh well that lame loser ran all over us so um i don't know what that says about us but uh and then yeah and then we had the multiple opportunities at interceptions that uh were dropped or just bobbled enough to not be ruled a catch and um i mean yeah that's pretty much the microcosm of the season that uh defense just that it was the defense that had been the backbone of the team the previous few seasons uh, just hasn't been elite. And, like, you can have a mediocre offense if you have an elite defense and win games. But if you have a mediocre offense and a mediocre defense, then you're going to be a mediocre team at best. So, And that's what the Saints have been this year with injuries on top of that. Marshawn Lattimore is out again. Um, and uh, but we got to see more Alante Taylor, and he's played pretty well. Besides from the aforementioned 
dropped interceptions, but uh, yeah, uh, just a you know another another week Saints football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next week is it? It's it's in. I'm intrigued by <laughs> this Browns matchup. Um, you would think on paper that a Browns team that is six and eight and has a very rusty uh, alleged serial rapist Deshaun Watson as its quarterback, you'd think that would be a winnable game, but they love to run the football. Yeah. And Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb is incredible. Yeah. And Kareem Hunt, even though he's also a doo-doo head, is probably the most talented backup running back in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you just said, our undrafted defensive tackles got road graded by mm. the Falcons. Um, yeah. And if the Falcons can run for 250 yards against us at home, then on the road in Cleveland, uh, I, I worry that, that we're just going to get uh, trampled by this Browns team and lose a very low scoring game because we gave up 300 yards rushing and couldn't do anything to stop Nick Chubb in on a drive or two where like we absolutely had to have a stop. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. I I agree with you. That's, that's kind of my read on the game. Um, And uh, their run defense is actually quite bad. Like statistically worse than ours. But and so you would think, well, you know, maybe the Saints almost like counter the Browns with, in theory, like their own medicine. And like we try to run the ball down their throats, control uh, the game, time of possession, et cetera. But that plan took a big hit today um, with the news that Cesar Ruiz is uh, going on IR for the ending what was was really actually a, a really solid promising year for uh former first round draft picks. So um and like a year where he like did a lot to turn around his perception, I think, at least among the fan base. I mean the, the team internally was always higher on him um than a lot of Saints Twitter uh, had been and rightfully so. I mean he's had some pretty bad gaffes uh the last few seasons. But um yeah, I mean, just got to hope the uh, his injury, I think it was a foot injury, um, isn't anything that'll linger too deep into the offseason. Um, and we can have him uh, hopefully continue on his positive development arc trajectory um, going into hopefully a better season. <laughs> but regardless, he's, he's, he's out this week and uh, won't be able to help us try to run the ball on, on the Browns. So, so you were like, so what would you do to uh, mitigate the loss of Cesar Ruiz for this week? I, well, if Throckmorton's healthy, which I feel like we haven't heard his name in weeks, so I don't even know anymore, but I think you'd put him at guard and you let Penning start at left yeah. tackle. Um, I mean, who cares if Andy Dalton uh, breaks his back? Like, <laughs> it's not like he's the quarterback of the future. So you might as well get the rookie some playing time. Yeah, um, no, that, that's that's a good call. I, I think Hurst can play guard too, so maybe that's the move. Um, yeah. And uh, he's played guard before. I think he actually started at guard for a few seasons for the for the, uh, for the the Ravens. But um, I forgot Hurst was the tackle and not Throck. You see, this is how... Uh, even Disney even I'm days. like, yeah. yeah. I, even I'm uh, missing on the little details this season. Yeah. Um, so, I I really don't want to be like all doom and gloom though, because there are like some objectively bright spots in terms of like yeah. young promising. Talent I was just about to say that. Team. Yeah. Yeah. There's some like, I yeah. yeah. Go go ahead. No, I was just saying we we, we already mentioned Alante Taylor and he's played. Um, He's had some really, really bright moments this season. I mean, some some low lights as well, but you'd expect that for basically any rookie corner 
not named Marshawn Lattimore, um, but he's really flashed and uh, I think is going to be like a plus player um, going going forward and, and into the future. And, and maybe, honestly, even if Marshawn's healthy, maybe like you just kind of rest him the next few weeks and see what you've got in the Debo and uh, Taylor on the outside. So um, we'll see there. And then sticking with the defensive side of the ball, I mean, uh, like Caden Ellis, what, like what a, what a breakout year he's had. I think he's like graded by PFF. I mean, for what it's worth as like the fourth or fifth highest graded linebacker in the NFL, which is like insane. Um, he's an unrestricted free agent after this year, but I think the saints like, are going to make him a, a priority and and I'd be really surprised if they let him leave the building. So with him and the strong play Pete Werner's had earlier this year. Um, and then obviously DeMario Davis still has some tread left on the tires. Like the saints linebacking core and depth is, is, is in a really good place uh, for, for the short-term future. So um, that's really exciting as well. And then on the offensive side of the ball, Chris Olave, um, maintain like he'll be a thousand yard receiver um by the end of the year which for a rookie is is obviously really impressive he might not win offensive rookie of the year like we thought he might um going into the season uh i think garrett wilson's caught up with him in terms of yardage and just as edged him out on touchdowns and uh i know kenneth walker and damian pierce um are, are pretty solid rookie running backs so regardless though i mean uh Olave is definitely a piece moving forward. And Rashid Shahid, our other rookie receiver, man, like uh, I, I think he's going to be a piece moving forward. He just like makes plays and is extremely fast. So um, uh, like you have to love what you've seen from him. And then Jawan Johnson is like one of the best player development stories the Saints have had in the last few years um, in yeah. quite some time, actually. He's emerged into like a very legitimate receiving threat and he's still like he admits he like doesn't really know the tight end position that well. Um, which is like pretty scary to think like how much room for growth he has. So um it's really like if we can get like semi competent QB play and have um a healthy O line and and hopefully not suspended for that long, Alvin Kamara. Like we have the pieces to have like a pretty dangerous offense going forward. So um, there's, there is hope for the future. The saints need to just figure out the other shit. <laughs> yeah. I don't really buy this uh, narrative that the saints are hmm. in bad shape in terms of the roster moving forward. I really think that, the roster is good. The roster was never the problem. And right. like, yeah, there's going to be some players that get older and, and decline. But like you just listed, we have so many promising young players. We, we keep using this metaphor of, you know, like Sean Payton was a, a genius. You know, he's like an iconic musician who, who left, who doesn't perform anymore. And we've yeah. hired a cover band to like play the same song that he was famous for. And like, yeah, I feel like that, like this applies, like the notes and the music, it's all there. The ingredients for this team to be really good are there, mm -hmm. but the person who's in charge of executing it and putting it all together just doesn't have what it takes. Um, and that's the story of the 2022 saints. Yeah. No, and and to that point, I mean, I think it was, I mean, our <laughs> notorious Saints like antagonist Bill Barnwell was saying, I don't remember if it was an article or a podcast earlier this uh, a few days ago, but he was just, I think he said that his he viewed the Saints as like in the worst position of like any NFL team moving forward, and like hyperbole aside, I mean, yes, like they had some trades that are going to bite them in the short-term future. And like, yeah, they'll have, they have like the salary cap concerns that they like ha always have and always seem to navigate around like besides a freaking pandemic, but the NFL salary cap is not going down anytime soon or stagnating at all. So I don't think we have to worry about uh, that hopefully, but any discussion of like the saints 
prospects moving forward aside from yes the fact that they don't have like the first round pick situation this year is largely unresolved until we find out like what does happen with Sean Payton uh, this offseason but um, the rest of the NFC South is in a worse if not just as bad position as the Saints moving forward like none of the other three teams have good coaches none of the other three teams have quarterbacks and those two factors are like what the NFL media like loves to bust the saints over. It's like, Oh, Sean Payton's gone. Drew Brees is gone. Like they have no hope for the future. It's like, well, neither do the teams they are directly competing with six games of the year for directly for a guaranteed playoff spot. Like, so it doesn't matter if the saints aren't like, a 13 14 win team next year they could in theory win the division at eight and nine nine and eight like uh and so like that's how thin these margins are and so i i I don't know man um as heartbreaking as this year has been and as frustrating as the increasing likelihood that da will return is A DA coach Saints team with a little bit better injury luck and a few tweaks is still good enough to win the NFC South next year, I believe. Yeah. So, um, now here's <laughs> here's where I, I don't, here's where I, I sort of disagree with the thinking that that path that logical road you're going down leads to DA getting another season. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that like Gale and Loomis and Lausha and the rest of the brain trust, I don't know if they would like, they're not like in this just to win the division. Like they want to field a contender. Yeah. So if it's obvious that like, we are not a Super Bowl contender under DA. We are not improving and that any sort of division crown is basically won by default. Then I, I truly believe that they, they know how the fan base feels. They know what's going on. They're not stupid. And yeah. they, will, they will cut bait. Yeah. I just think it's, and I've said this before, I think it's so incredibly obvious this experiment failed and i think they know that they may not be saying anything but i in my head canon am choosing to believe that they know that this ain't working and that something's got to change um and i guess we'll see you know things will happen very quickly when when the season is over when it's all said and done but that's why it's true yeah, I, I'm just trying to mentally and emotionally prepare myself for the very possible, if not probable, reality that they chalk up the failures of the season to bad regular like football luck, bad injury luck, and a few mistakes that like all parties involved will learn from and they view DA as like part of the family and want to give it another shot. This is an organization that like doesn't like to rock the boat historically and or in the last like 15 years really and they like think they found the sweet spot and want to keep the party going, which like we've talked about like ad nauseum was like the whole point of hiring DA to begin with. But um, I don't agree with that. I like we've said on previous pods, like DA has faults as a head coach that like no no amount of injury luck would ever fix and if anything like 
as long as he's head coach, even if we had perfect injury luck and like even nailed a couple draft picks, like by like it, it's like driving with like a speed governor on your car. Like you're always you'd have to discount the Saints' chances as long as DA is the head coach. I saw like we talked about it last pod, but I, I saw another statistical like a like a chart graph today that showed teams like how often we teams go for it on fourth down and like relative to whether they should or if they're just like being like unnecessarily risky and the saints are just like at the bottom left of the graph and in the quadrant that the whoever made it said they were full of fear and that just like speaks to the da experience in a nutshell that we are just like a we like are in an, like a clammy little like phone booth there's no imagination there's no inspiration in anything that we do and it just manifests itself every week um yeah and that is something that like doesn't doesn't change like right and I like, think that's what that that's like what hurts the most about this team is yeah. Sean Payton was uh, like a kindred spirit to the city of New Orleans. Like he fit yeah. in. He was like a swashbuckling gambler. Yeah, and he was petty, and he was kind of a dick. Yes, and like he fit. He just he was a physical manifestation of what what the city can be like. And DA is just so vanilla. And like when, when Peyton failed, he failed big time. And like, even in the seven and nine seasons, there were a lot of exciting games and exciting moments. And there really hasn't been any of that this season. Yeah. Um, We just lose the same way every week. And it's a bummer. Um, But we've talked about this way too much. I can't wait to not talk about this anymore. <laughs> Did you uh, watch the his post game, his locker room speech that they no. recorded? I saw like a screenshot of it, and like all the players were just like, like yeah, bored out of their mind. Yeah, so they didn't post it on social, but it's on Saints YouTube, and it's just like really cringe like he's just he just doesn't have like i i i really do believe that like as a defensive like as a coordinator the guy whose job it is to like like scheme up a game plan each and every week to like help a team win a game like he is good i mean like i i i i mean the evidence bears that out but like it, there really are it it's it it takes like a whole different skill set to be a head coach in the NFL like you have to be able to i mean aside from like the organizational aspects you have to be able to motivate a bunch of millionaires many of whom make more money than you do to like put literally put their lives on the line each week and like, I mean, that's like a soft skill that, yeah, like can be honed over time. But at the end of the day, like you either like you either are like a leader of men or you're not. And I just don't think he's got it. And like, it's okay. Like we said this last time, it's okay to not be an NFL head coach. Most people aren't. Um, but... <laughs> Things will probably happen with Sean Payton pretty quickly after yeah. the season ends, whether we're in the playoffs or not. And it would behoove Saints fans to pay attention to what is happening with some of these other franchises that are having problems with, well, I guess making the playoffs, you know. Um, and one of them is your hometown team. Well, not your hometown. Uh, no. The team, dude. I should 
I should take that back. Oh, the God. team in the city where I presently reside. Yeah. Oh, can we go back like 30 seconds and live in the time before I described Phoenix as your hometown? Um, Yeesh. <laughs> well, the Cardinals, uh, they're having some problems. And Kyler Murray's out for the year. Kingsbury's seat, Cliff Kingsbury, former Saints quarterback, current Cardinals head coach. His seat is hot. Steve Keim, mm-hmm. the GM, just stepped down. And, uh, yeah, this is a situation the Saints the Saints fans should monitor because that is a potential landing spot for Peyton, correct? Yeah. Um, there was a report. I think it was like maybe Rappaport or one of the other NFL Network guys. Um, there's a source report that Sean Payton, if he re- returns to coaching in 2023, most closely has his eyes on the Cardinals and the Chargers. Um, and, I mean, that kind of vibes with other, like, previous reports um, that have uh, basically kind of laid out his uh, characteristics for his preferred destinations. Uh, warm weather and a good young quarterback, which both those teams have. Um, granted the Cardinals situation is a little murkier now, now that Kyler Murray is going to be coming off an ACL injury, unfortunately. But, um, I mean, I think he'll probably be fine hopefully next year. So I don't know if that kind of dings the, um, prospects of the Cardinals in terms of, uh, Sean Payton being interested here, but, uh, Steve Kime stepping down. Well, not by his choice. Steve Keim uh, being removed um, in the near future. As a result of choices he made. Yes, yes, yes. Um, From his uh, GM position here in Arizona, um, I think would favor Sean Payton coming to the Cardinals just because he would have – Sean Payton would have more control uh, over personnel matters. And be able to have as long as Kime, who is a uh, very tight Michael Bidwell, the Cardinals owner, um, has had. And I think they promoted like two of their like VPs of player personnel and some other title to be like co GMs in on an interim basis. I think Adrian Wilson, the former player, is one of them. And so, like in theory, they could maintain that similar structure. But Sean Payton would be the guy really calling the shots, similar to how he was in, in New Orleans, um, where like Mickey Mickey Loomis was basically um, the salary cap guy and who executed executed trades and basically let uh, Sean Payton um, uh, shop for the groceries, like his mentor Bill Barcells used to say. So. Um, yeah, and and with the with the Chargers winning some games recently, and maybe maybe they're kind of dimming as a candidate to fire Brandon Staley. But if they flop in the play like early in the playoffs, maybe they still do. Um, like we've said on previous pods, I still maintain that they are like pretty desperate to make a splash in the LA market, uh, especially given how uh, buzzy the Rams have been to a certain degree, <laughs> as much as they can be. In the in the LA market, uh, winning the Super Bowl, etc. So um, Chargers are, I don't think they want to be the stepbrother like they are currently. And uh, hiring Sean Payton would be a major shot across the bow there. So um, don't want to rule them out yet. Cowboys, as good as they've been this season, I think if they flop early in the playoffs, also um, I don't think Mike McCarthy is safe. And obviously. Um, They've been tied to Sean Payton for about a decade plus now. So um, I don't think they're out of the question. Um, I think I think Ralph Marlborough has said that the uh, the Texans are actually would be a sneaky, a sneaky pick um, for a Sean Payton landing spot. They've got the warm weather, uh, a pretty like open GM type situation ready for a guy like Sean Payton to come in um, desperate to make a splash in the market. And uh, they're going to have a, probably the number one overall pick 
this year. So, um, I mean, whether if Sean Payton really likes Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, or like someone who I wouldn't want, like Will Levis, uh, that would be have to be attractive for him. So, and then they have a ton of cap space too. So, yeah, I mean, there's options, and we haven't talked about because we didn't pod last week. Um, the Jeff Duncan, Sean Payton article that outlines, according to sources close to Payton, that he would be interested potentially in returning to the Saints. What are your thoughts on right. that? Right. Yeah. Well, a couple things. One, I would be afraid of Sean Payton going to a team of us trading Payton to a team with an open GM job because I am terrified of him poaching Jeff Ireland and or Kai Harley. And they are like very important to the Saints sort of foundational success the last five years. Yeah. And losing them would really, really hurt our long-term prospects um, for different reasons because Jeff Ireland is – he's – the talent acquisition guy, like he, he's the guy responsible for our like good drafts up until two years ago when they became not so great. Um, and then Kai Harley is like the numbers guy who makes the salary cap work. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to pick which one to lose, I think Ireland is probably more replaceable. Um, I think it would be harder to find a cap wizard. Um, especially right. because Kai Harley's helped make it work in some really impossible situations. It would really be a bummer to lose him. Um, yeah, no, those are my thoughts. Exactly. Um, if I had to pick, I would definitely rather lose uh, Ireland. I think they're already kind of grooming Michael Parenton, um, who maybe the director of pro personnel is his title, something on, like that in, in the front office. I think they're kind of grooming him to be his replacement anyway. I think they're, they're prepared to lose him um, soon, sooner than later, I believe, whether that's to go with Sean Payton or, or, or someone else. He, he interviewed, I, I believe, either, I think the last couple cycles. So, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a matter of time. But hopefully they, they are able to hold on to Kai Harley, though, because uh, he definitely helps – concoct the dark cap magic that yeah. we've uh, we've wielded the last decade plus so um yeah uh that's definitely a concern but um so would you welcome back sean payton with with open arms yeah. potentially so the article the whole situation i find very very fascinating because yeah. um and this is a thought that is um echoed by like the saints happy hour pod guys and also by mike triplett and nick underhill and it's that the story came from somewhere someone planted it and i think it's really it's really fun to discuss and theorize who did it and why Yes. yes um and there's there's a couple possibilities one and this is probably the least likely scenario is that the Saints planted the story right. in order to drive up Sean Payton's trade market. Right. Um, but that would mean that they have just totally given up on trying to get him back. Um, and also, the story itself was written basically from uh, like Payton's perspective. The right. sources were sources close to Payton. And, I mean, that could be anybody from like his trainer to his son to to Peyton himself um his agent most likely his agent yeah Don Yee so the other possibilities are that it is true and he wants to come back and this is kind of him like putting the feelers out to see what would happen um or he basically him or someone close to him planted the story in order to drive up his uh, the market for his salary and the demand for him by right. other teams. And um, as a corollary to that, to 
spur more action and move the potential teams that might be interested in him kind of like off the fence on whether it's like, oh, should we fire our coach, our current coach or not? That might give them the nudge that they need to yeah. get the ball rolling, at least behind the scenes on that in advance of Black Monday. And, and they can start their backroom negotiations with Peyton on a deal yeah. that will probably reset the coaching market. Um, yep. Like he's going to be making like $15 million a year. Yeah, I believe. Uh, I think there were reports. I think it was like under on Underhill's pod. He was saying that by the time Sean left, he was making um, he was making like thirteen million dollars a year, like a thirteen or fourteen million dollars a year with us, like just something insane. So, um, so yeah, I hundred percent agree with the possible uh, sources of the of the story um that was fed to jeff duncan basically and and their motivations but i think perhaps the most intriguing part of it is that no matter whether it came from the saints or indeed peyton's camp or like or or who within peyton's camp the effect of that article was basically a shiv in the back of Dennis Allen. And that is fascinating because I mean, obviously if it comes from the saints and the saints did that, Dennis Allen, then that is some dirty dog dealings. Right. So if the saints planted the story, that is basically um, like irrefutable proof that they will fire him. Right. Like if they were willing to leak something like this, he's done. Right. Um, obviously we don't know that, but right. that would that would like basically mean they're they're finished with him. Yeah. And I yeah. I do think the story probably didn't come from them though, or, or at least Jeff Dunk because Duncan would have said team sources. I feel exactly. Like. Yeah. This yeah. is the least likely of the three right. scenarios, I think. But even still, if it did come from Peyton's camp. Well, if, if uh, assuming it didn't come from Peyton himself, Peyton was aware of this coming out and of these conversations. And assuming all of that, him authorizing the hit on DA is like pretty morbidly fascinating in and of itself because I mean obviously DA is like straight off of Sean's coaching tree and Sean passed the baton to him and like probably but but all of those reasons probably like might even explain how this happened because I think Sean Payton is really disappointed if not straight up like upset with DA like he basically was like dude I I gave you the keys to a fucking Lamborghini and you have crashed it and he basically I think I think like I mean as we as we've said like Sean Payton is like an arrogant motherfucker and yeah I think he views this season as like in a in a almost a weird way like a bad reflection on him that like I think he probably believed what what I and you you to a slightly lesser extent believed that he the foundation that he built that he built something that would last and that he probably honestly still believes that and but that DA is fucking it up and skewing that belief and, yeah. and you you could argue it would be like the, a true narcissist would say oh like i was the key to the success like and now that i'm gone like no wonder it is it is collapsed like haha but <laughs> um because that's how narcissists laugh in their internal monologue but 
you could I could see like the truly like the arch narcissist being like, no, like this is my like I built this thing and it will last a thousand years. And you <laughs> like you like who I like blessed as my successor <laughs> have 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 run it afoul and <laughs> and now like I must smite thee via the press. Um and so so I don't know. Like we're 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 through the looking glass here, but but I don't know. I mean but but it but at the same time if you listen to a lot of his little media hits throughout this year, like you can tell like his disdain for how the situation is being run in New Orleans right now. And yeah, as frustrating as it is that there is a lack of self-awareness that a lot of the problems were caused by decisions that he made. It's almost even more telling that it seems like he doesn't if 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 he doesn't recognize that, if he does recognize it, he's not saying it. And so that just like backs up everything I just said about him like almost like being pissed at DA. He's like, dude, I like vouched for you and like you're like fucking we had a good thing going and you're like fucking it all up. Like you yeah. like aren't the guy like I thought you were. And yeah. Um, Peyton is like a notorious control freak. Yeah. This the Saints were like very carefully constructed by him, yeah, and Loomis and the Brain Trust, right? And in less than a year, uh, DA has knocked down the House of Cards, right? So I think it stands to reason that Peyton would see what's happened and think, "Well, I have to go fix it, right? I have to do something." Um, I do think it's I think it's possible that he comes back and I don't think it's likely, but I do think it's possible. And uh, Nick Underhill and triplet. I don't, I don't remember which one, yeah. um, but on their latest pod discuss or on the pod discussing the story, they dropped the bomb that uh, the brain trust offered Peyton the opportunity to take a one year sabbatical and come back. Yeah. And he turned it down. Um, but maybe, uh, maybe he's reconsidering and boot crew media's own Chris Rosvaglu got to interview Sean Payton Mm -hmm. in the aftermath of this story. And he straight up asked Payton what he was going to do. Sean Payton had the opportunity to say, no, I'm done with the saints. I'm moving on. And he didn't say that he called it a reset. Right, which leaves some room, leaves some some room for interpretation. I think it does. Um, I would, I personally would take Peyton back over having a first round pick because yeah. I think this is exactly what he wants. Like the Saints do have exactly what he is looking for in many respects. They may Besides not have a quarterback, star in the future, quarterback, yeah, but they have an infrastructure in place that is stable. Uh, They have a pretty good veteran roster and it is a bit of a fixer upper. So he's going to have the chance to come in and sort of rebuild things the way he did in 2006. And then again in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. The challenge is there if he wants it. Yeah. I, I'm, I agree with everything you said. I just try not to get my hopes up for anything like that. But, um, man, that's crazy. Like, fucking Sean Payton. I, I can't. He's such like an, like an operator, manipulator. That, but he's our, he's our devious son of a bitch. <laughs> Damn it! If I don't, yeah. Love him. He's a very fascinating, he's a fascinating person. Like he's, really? he's sort of this Machiavellian figure. Um, and like, like you were saying earlier about what it takes to be a head coach and to be a leader of men, you know, maybe you need some like dark qualities too, right. in order to, in order to have, the ability to motivate 53 millionaires to yeah. crash into each other on Sunday <laughs> at full speed. 
Like, yeah, you do need to be able, like, being able to be like, uh, like a well liked, like people person, and to be able to run an organization like that requires uh, knowing how to move chess pieces around the board, mm -hmm. and maybe do some things that are amoral. Um, yes, and. We're seeing it unfold, and I guess we'll see how things unfold on, on Black Monday, but we're going to know pretty quick what we're getting for them, if anything. We'll see if this Black Monday is a black and gold Monday. Yes, indeed. Or if it's just black and gold BS. <laughs> the Irreverent Pod from Brute Crew Media. Dare I say the best Saints podcast that nobody listens to? It's we're we're like a great band that hasn't been discovered yet. We're just playing house parties and pop-up shows. Just waiting for our big break. And then we'll eventually sell out to the man and become very pop poppy. Look, if we can be this good with zero effort, just think about what could happen if we tried and mm. had an audience and guests. God willing. All right. Anything else you want to say? Jakey hungry. Yeah, man. Um, no, I mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's like Saints Groundhog's Day, man. Um, we'll see <laughs> if we can beat the Browns. Sure, we'll do some really dumb shit. We'll have some young players flash and do some cool shit. Um, but uh, we'll see. Like we'll Ralph see Marlboro keeps saying on Saints Happy Hour, I am grateful that we're playing meaningful games in December. Yeah, we are. We're we're alive later in the season than we were a lot of those seventy nine years. So we get to. Uh, Ride the roller coaster at least one more time on Sunday or Saturday. We play on Saturday against the Browns. Um, yeah, we made it. We crossed the Ralph Marlboro line. We're five and nine, and we're still doing the podcast. We haven't given up. That's right. All right. Well, for Sean Haspel and Allison Whitlock, who couldn't be with us tonight. I'm Jacob Krasno. This has been Black and Gold BS from Food Crew Media, the Irreverent Saints podcast that everybody loves but no one listens to. Mm. Until next time, who dat? Who dat?